follow me. Those were the first words he said to me. Such a simple invitation, yet it changed my entire life. Let me introduce myself. My name is Simon, son of John, but you probably know me as Peter. That was the name he gave me. Jesus, I mean. He was the one who called me, and he gave me that name. The name Peter means rock. Something solid, something firm, something you could rely on, a foundation. And that's what I was. I was the rock. You could rely on me. Jesus did call me to follow him. And I had been a commercial fisherman, but I left what I was doing to follow Jesus, to learn from him. There was something different about him. And I followed Jesus for three years. There were 12 of us who were the core disciples, the core followers. And I got to see Jesus teach. He taught unlike anyone else with an authority. And he proclaimed the kingdom of God. But he did more than just talk. He had power. He healed people. Believe me. My mother-in-law, when she was sick, when she was debilitated by a fever, he touched her and miraculously she was healed. Jesus even had the power over nature. One time we were out on the lake and Jesus came walking by, on the water that is. <laughs> he was. And he even let me come out and walk with him, uh, at least for time. I saw Jesus perform miracles. He even forgave people of their sins. And I was the first person to put it together. When you looked at all this, when you met Jesus, you knew he was different. And I said it. I said, this man is the Messiah, the Son of God. The Messiah, the one we had been waiting for for generations, who our scriptures had foretold for hundreds and thousands of years. He was the one who had come to save us from our sins. And I said it first. You know, I was friends with Jesus. He and I were very close. I was in his inner circle. At his most important moments, I was there with him. And I knew I would always be with him. I told him I would. That I'd be by his side no matter what. So when people began to oppose us, I was there. You see, not everyone was happy that Jesus was there and doing these miracles and preaching the way he did. A lot of the officials, the religious leaders, began to oppose him. They even tried to arrest him once, but we escaped. But then when Jesus said, it's time to go to Jerusalem... I told him I'd be with him, no matter what. So that night when we arrived in Jerusalem, it was Passover. Everyone was there. All of the authorities were there. It was somewhat dangerous. But I told Jesus that no matter what happens, I will follow him. I would give my life for him. But then Jesus looked at me and said, Before the rooster crows, you will deny knowing me three times. Jesus had been right about, well, everything. But he couldn't have been right about that. I was the rock. I was solid. I was firm. Or so I thought. After dinner that night, we headed east out of the city. We went on a hike and we went down into the Kidron Valley and up on the Mount of Olives. It's beautiful there. Jesus had taken us many times. It was one of his favorite places. There's an olive garden there, and from the top of that peak, you can look out and see the entire city of Jerusalem before you. The Temple Mount, it's beautiful, picturesque. 
And it was such a beautiful evening as we stayed there and prayed. But then the calm was shattered because Judas, one of the twelve, came and he brought with him some of the Jewish authorities, some soldiers with him, and they had torches and lanterns. They were armed. They were coming to arrest Jesus. And this was my time to be the rock. So I pulled out my sword, ready for war. And I sliced the ear off Malchus, that lackey of the high priest. But then I heard Jesus whisper in my ear, put away your sword. And then in his tenderness, he reached out and healed Malchus's ear. And then Jesus let them arrest him. As they dragged him away, fear swept over me. If they had come for him when he had done no wrong, he had committed no crime, what would they do to me? What would they do to the rest of us? And we ran. I fled. We scattered in every direction, down the hill, running as fast as we can. I ran into one of the other disciples a few minutes later, and we decided we had to do something, but we were afraid. We, we, we decided we would follow Jesus to where they were taking him to find out what was going on. But we stayed at a distance in the dark, in the shadows. We didn't want to be caught. What would they do to us if they did? So we crept up and realized that they were taking Jesus into the high priest's house. They took him there because they were going to question him to accuse him of blasphemy so that they could execute him. We crept in and the disciples I was with knew someone at the house and we were able to get in and sneak in and we went into the courtyard of the house. But we hung back in the shadows not wanting anyone to see us. But then a little certain. She looked up at me and fear swept over me again. Had she recognized me? She said, aren't you one of the twelve? Aren't you with him? And I denied it. I denied knowing Jesus. It was cold and eventually we came forward because they had built a fire and we needed to warm our hands over the embers. And a few minutes later, one of the officials there looked at me. And as he leaned in, he said, you're one of the twelve, aren't you? And I denied it again. No, no, no. You don't know what you're talking about, man. I denied knowing Jesus a second time. But then one of Malchus's cousins was there, and he got up right in my face, grabbed my tunic, and growled at me. I saw you in the garden. And I said, no, 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 no. No, you don't know what you're talking about. I denied knowing Jesus the third time. And then I heard it. The rooster crowed. Jesus had been right. I felt sick. My friend, my Messiah, had been arrested and instead of being courageous, instead of stepping up to help him in his hour of need, I denied even knowing him. Just then, they led Jesus by a window of the courtyard and he turned and looked right at me. I failed him. When morning came, they moved Jesus to the governor's house, but I was too afraid to follow. I went back to the upper room where we were meeting, and we cowered in fear. 
I should have stood up. Immediately, I had so many regrets. Because I wasn't there for Jesus when they interrogated him. When they beat him and whipped him. When they spat on him and cursed him. I wasn't there when they declared his punishment. I wasn't there when they took a crucifix, made him carry it outside the city to the place where they would execute him. And Jesus couldn't do it himself. They pulled a random man, Simon of Cyrene, from the crowd. It should have been Simon Peter there for his friend. But I wasn't there. I wasn't there as they nailed him to the cross. They hoisted him up where he suffocated. I wasn't there as he breathed his last. I wasn't there for him when they pierced his side to make sure he was dead. I didn't get to hear his last words. I wasn't there to help with the funeral as they wrapped him in cloths and put him in Joseph's tomb. That entire next day, I wept. All of us did. We were grieved because our friend, our brother, was dead. We would never see him again. And all our hope that we had placed in him to save the world, it was dashed. Everything we had been working for was gone. And to make matters worse, over and over again, I replayed that night. Three times, I denied even knowing him. The guilt was overwhelming. I felt so ashamed. What had I done? You can only imagine that on the next day after that, on Sunday, I wasn't there when Mary Magdalene and the rest of the women went to visit the tomb. But I'll never forget hearing her voice. Mary sprinted into, into our group. She was, she was yelling. She, was, she said, they've, they've taken him. They've taken our Lord. And immediately I ran for the tomb. I had to see what had happened. Where was Jesus' body? What had gone on? And when I got there, the stone had been rolled away. The tomb was empty. And as I went inside, where Jesus' body should have been only was the linen cloth that he had been wrapped in. But they had been neatly folded. And Jesus was gone. We returned to the upper room and we were talking amongst ourselves. What had happened? What was going on? What had happened to the whole group of centurion soldiers waiting there guarding the tomb? Why was the stone rolled away? If it were grave robbers, why did they leave the linen cloths and fold them there? But then Mary came in again. She said, I have seen him. I have seen the Lord. He's alive. I have seen him. We thought she was crazy. We did. So that night, we knew that the authorities, the the religious leaders, they must have been plotting to get us out into the open so that they could arrest all of us. So we locked the doors and we hunkered down. We were terrified. But then Jesus appeared. Jesus was there. He was standing in our midst, right there among us. We saw him, he greeted us, he spoke to us. We saw the wounds in his hands and in his feet and in his side. Jesus was there in the flesh, 
our friend was alive. I know how crazy it sounds. We even told uh, Thomas, one of the twelve, and he didn't believe us. He thought we were crazy. But then the next week, he appeared to Thomas as well. And he let Thomas touch the holes in his hands and his feet and his side. It was Jesus in the flesh. He was alive. We didn't expect it. We didn't think anything like this could happen. But yet Jesus was there. He was risen from the dead. But throughout all of that, I wondered, did he know what I had done? And if he found out, would he accept me? Would he forgive me? Jesus appeared to us a third time. We'd been fishing. I I took a group of, there were seven of us disciples. We were out on the water on the Sea of Galilee, and we'd been fishing all night. That's the best time to fish. But we caught nothing. And then as the sun began to rise over the sea, there was a man standing on the shore. He called out asking if we had any fish. When we said no, he said, try the other side of the boat. So we did. We threw the nets over, and as soon as we did, an entire school of fish swam in. And we pulled the nets up, and it was so heavy, all seven of us could barely drag it aboard the ship. There were 153 fish in that catch. And then John realized that the man on the shore was Jesus. And I had to show him how much I loved him. So I dove into the water and swam as fast as I could. I probably should have stayed on the boat because they got to the shore about the same time as I did. And now I was soaking wet. But I came up to Jesus and there he was. He had built a fire for us. As soon as I smelled those embers, I remembered the last fire I had been by. That night when I had denied my friend. But Jesus said, bring some fish. Bring some fish. So I wanted to show him that, that I could make it up to him what I had done. So I ran myself. I jumped aboard the ship and grabbed that whole net myself and dragged it ashore. Jesus cooked the fish. He had already made us some bread. And he served it to us for breakfast. He took the bread and he broke it and gave it to each one of us. That's the same thing he did when we shared that last meal together on the night he was betrayed. On the night I denied him. All of fresh, all the shame and all the guilt came to the surface. I wish I could go back and change it. After breakfast, Jesus looked at me. He said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? This is my chance. <laughs> yes, of course, Lord, you know that I love you. And then he said to me, so feed my lambs. Then a second time, Jesus looked at me and said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? I wanted to reassure him, of of course, of course I love you. You know that I love you. He said, so take care of my sheep. Then Jesus said a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
he was asking me three times if I loved him because I had denied him three times. And it hurt. Right there in front of my friends, in front of my brothers, he was bringing up my biggest failure. All my shame was the surface. I said, mumbling, Jesus, you know that I love you. So he said, feed my sheep. And then he told me that I would live and die for him. And then he said those words, follow me. In spite of all I had done to hurt him personally, he knew about it. He knew my darkest hour, my greatest failure. But he brought it up there, not to shame me, not to condemn me, but to heal me, to forgive me, and restore me. He knew what I had done, and yet he still said, follow me. It became clear to me that on that night, he had taken the bread and said, this is my body, broken for you. And taken the cup and said, this is my blood, shed for you. He was telling us what he would do when he died on the cross. He died in our place. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. As the great prophet Isaiah once said, by his wounds we have been healed. He died to purchase my redemption. You know about redemption, right? When someone has committed a crime and they are in prison and and they are justly facing execution, and then an innocent man comes along and says, I will die in your place. The prisoner is freed. Given freedom and a new life. And the innocent man dies in their place. That's redemption. And that's what Jesus did for me. And Jesus did for all of us. You see, no matter what we've done, redemption is possible through Jesus. It's true. Because Jesus didn't stay dead. But he rose from the dead, proving that he has power over sin, proving that he has power over death. And though we deserve to be punished and die for our sins, he stands in our place, freeing us and offering us a new life. And Jesus didn't just invite me to follow him again. He gave me a new task, a new purpose, a new life. I was free from all the past, all the regrets, all the guilt and all the sin that I had committed. I was forgiven. I was healed. I was restored. This redemption isn't just for me. If Jesus would forgive me when I had disowned him, knowing him so well, he will forgive you too. No matter what you've done, no matter the deepest failures of your life, God wants you to to rescue from your shame and guilt through his son Jesus. That's what he did for me and that's what he offers for you no matter what you've done. And the most amazing thing is we don't have to do anything. I wanted to make amends, make it up to Jesus, but he said it's already been done. 
I died for you. No matter what you've done, redemption is possible through Jesus. So please believe in Jesus' name. Receive that redemption for yourself, and then you can join me as we follow Jesus. message like that before? Mm. It's powerful. Pastor Matt wanted you to understand what redemption is, but he also wanted you to feel the redemption that Peter had. And so today, you have the opportunity no matter what you've done to find redemption in Jesus. And maybe you've never invited Christ into your life and you've never stepped across that line of faith. And today I want to give you an opportunity to pray right where you're seated in your, in your mind, in your heart and take that step of faith and say, I need forgiveness. I, I, I'm not sure what regrets or guilt or shame that you carry maybe from a long time ago or from this week or even this morning but Jesus wants to forgive you. He wants to come into your life and and bring you that redemption. And maybe you asked Christ into your life in the past but yet you've drifted and wandered and today is your day to recommit your life to following Jesus. To get your focus back on Him. And so we're going to bow our heads and close our eyes and and just in your head, in your heart, just say a prayer if you want to have Christ come into your life or you want to recommit your life to Christ. Maybe your prayer would be something like this. Dear Lord, I want that redemption that Peter had. And I know you're offering it for me today and I need your forgiveness and I ask you take away that guilt and that shame and regret and I I ask you to come into my life I recommit my life to you today I want to follow you maybe there's some children in this room or some teenagers some adults that would just want to open up your heart and say Jesus come in pray that prayer right now Jesus to come into your life. You're never too young or too old. No matter what you've done, redemption is available for you through Jesus. Pray right now in your seat. Talk to God about what's going on in your life and your journey and how you need Him in your life. If today you 
prayed that prayer with no one looking around and you asked Christ into your life and you'd want to just let me know and Pastor Matt know that you prayed and received Christ, would you just flip up your hand so we can pray for you or catch my eye? Just say yes. I prayed that prayer. I asked Christ. Thank you. Others, thank you. Others, thank you. Open your eyes. We're going to have a time of worship and 